So let's talk tonight about the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. It's such a, a misunderstood thing, the gospel. Because the word gospel means good news. It's a Greek word, euangelion, and it simply means good news. It, it doesn't mean bad news. It means good news. Because news is not something that's going to happen. News is something that's happened. So, if somebody tells you you're going to hell or you're going to this or going to that, that's not the gospel. Because news is something that happened. And this news that we're talking about is good. It's good news. So, if we want to know what the good news is, we need to go into God's Word and ask Holy Spirit to lift out of His Word that truth that will impact our lives to such an extent that we can see the power of God because the Gospel is power. It's really difficult for religious people to believe the Gospel. Really difficult for them to believe the Gospel. Sinners, they can believe it. But religious people find it very difficult to believe in the Gospel because it's just too good to be true. It's just so good that it doesn't make sense. It's so good that they think, no, it can't be. How can it be? I mean, I must work. I must do something so that God can like me or God can love me. That's the biggest lie. That's not good news. If, if you have a gospel where you need to perform, it's hard work. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 28, when the, when, when the Pharisees came to him, he said, show us the works of God so that we can do them. Tell us the works of God. And Jesus said, this is the work of God. Believe in the one whom he has sent. That's the sum total of all the work that you can do for God. Believe. Because they asked, tell us the works of God so we can do them. He said, this is the work of God. Believe. You need to believe the good news. That's why it's good news. You need to believe it. The moment you believe what God has said about you, the truth of that word will change your life. You only need to believe it. It's very simple. Very simple. The simplicity is in Christ. The simplicity is in His word. We can go to deep things and all of that, but the gospel is simple. The good news is simple. God loves you. Okay? You know, religious people, they don't think that um, God can be that good and that forgiving and that gracious and that merciful. It's difficult for them to understand. It's just too much. And God says, I love you unconditionally. That's what agape means. Unconditionally. Now, the moment you start talking about a license to sin and all of that, that right there, where you think it's a license to sin, shows directly that you are under the law. Because the reasonings of your carnal mind is frustrating the grace of God. And you don't know what God actually wants to tell you. How amazing 
the perfect work of Christ was on a cross. And the moment you realize how perfect that work was, suddenly you can breathe, suddenly you can just be, and just enjoy the Christ life, which is your life. Colossians 3 verse 4 says, And when Christ who is your life, who is my life? Christ is my life. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth, for your, for your real new life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with Him in the splendor of His glory. God wants to reveal you. So let's write that down on the board. Let's just write the word reveal. God wants to reveal who you really are. God wants to reveal who you have always been. his desire, it's his heart to let you know and how much he has loved you from before time began because he knew you from then God didn't start knowing you from the day that you accepted Jesus Christ he knew you before you were born he knew you before time began because God is not limited by time he transcends time and space he created it. It's a finished work. The cross. It is finished. It's not something you must do. It is something you need to believe and accept as truth. And you won't experience that, the goodness of God. You won't experience the goodness of God. You won't experience the fullness of what He has done for you on that cross. Um, unless you heard the, the truth and you start believing it. Although he has done it for you. I mean, he did it while you were sinners. He did it. It's done for you. It's a finished work. But when does it become your reality? When you believe it. But before you believe it, it is still true. He did it. But you don't experience that. So it's experienced when you believe it. That's when it's experienced. God already reconciled the whole world with himself. Nobody was excluded. Nobody excluded. But it only becomes your reality when you hear the gospel and you receive that truth and you accept it and it becomes your reality. It's already God's reality. But what does it help if it's only God's reality? You need to come to know the truth. Because otherwise you won't be free. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. What's the purpose of the gospel? The purpose of the gospel is to change your mind. You know that uh, the gospel wasn't for God. The good news. It wasn't for God. For who is the good news? For us. But somehow, in our twisted religious background that we had, we thought that the gospel was for God in the sense that Jesus had to die so that God could be pleased with us. No, that's not. The gospel is not to God. It's towards us. So Jesus died to change our minds about God's love and God's character and about who we are. So the gospel is good news to us 
is directed towards us. It's good news to you. God doesn't need to believe the gospel. You need to believe the gospel. Jesus didn't die to tell God, okay, they're good enough now. Jesus died to tell you that you are good enough. Not because of your own efforts. And that's the key. But because of what Christ has done. Such a perfect work. Perfection, absolute perfection. So Jesus came and Jesus preached a a specific gospel. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. Kingdom. What does kingdom mean? Kingdom means the rule and the reign of God. So the reign of God. It means God is in control. So when Jesus came to give the gospel of the kingdom, he was coming to tell us that his kingdom is at hand and repent, which is the word metano, which means change your mind, which means change your mind about God and everything because the kingdom is here already. And he's saying there that it means that God is in control. Don't worry. This is good news. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It means God is in control. That's the good news. So the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of the rule and the reign of God. And it was the only thing that Jesus ever called the gospel. Now, the gospel wasn't uh, proclaimed only when Jesus came. The gospel was also proclaimed back in the Old Testament. Because Abram heard the gospel, the word is clear, it was preached to, to Abram. Also, the Israelites, while they were walking through the desert, the word of God says they drank from that same spiritual rock, and that rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. So they all partook of that same gospel. In Hebrews chapter 3, you will read that they also all heard the gospel, but they didn't receive it with faith. Therefore, they didn't enter the promises of God. But the gospel was preached to them, the Israelites. So back then, the gospel was already preached. Jesus came and he said, listen, I'm here to change your minds. You need to understand something. God is a good God. And God's heart towards you is only love. And there's no darkness in him. God has no desire to punish you for everything you have done wrong. Christ took all the punishment for all sin that was ever committed from the beginning up to the end of time in one offering. So if he did it, why do you think you must still be punished? Only if you don't accept what Christ has done. The only way you can do that. Okay, and then in Mark 1 verse 14 he says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom is at hand. hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So that's what he gave them. He said, repent, change your mind. Believe in the gospel. Believe the good news. The word gospel is good news. So believe the good news. So at that time when Jesus said, believe the good news, what did he bring them? Good news. Because it won't help if you say, believe in the good news and then you give them bad news. He gave them good news. 
We need to change our minds. In Matthew 13, verse 34, he says, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now, the foundation of the world, that word that's translated there as foundation, is actually wrongly translated. Because it shouldn't be foundation, it should be from the fall of the world. Because the word for foundation in the Greek is themelios. You find that in Ephesians 2, verse 20, where he says, now we have built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's the word foundation for building. But when he's using this word, he's using katabalo, and that word means the fall off. Now, I can easily understand why they mistranslated that, because when we say we are putting down a foundation, it's putting it down. It's falling, falling down. So there's a similarity, but you need to understand the context of this to really choose the right word. So what was meant there when he said katabalo, it actually meant um, the fall of the world. He uttered things kept secret from the fall of the world. What was kept secret? Secret. The goodness of God. So man, through the fall, had a wrong perception of God. And they thought, God is now mad at us. Now we need to pay for all of this. That's why they wanted offerings. They wanted to bring offerings and sacrifices. But God never ordained sacrifices. Do you know that? I'm asking a question. Do you know that? Don't you know that? Okay, let's just read the scripture quickly then. Will you believe it when I read it in scripture? Okay, let's go there quickly. Let's quickly go to Hebrews. Let's read chapter 10, verse 5. He said, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. It was never God's desire. But a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. God had no pleasure in sacrifices. Nothing. He, he doesn't want it. Why did they start doing these things? Because Israel looked at the heathen people and they were sacrificing to their idols. And they said, we should also sacrifice. And that's how it started. And then God allowed it. God allowed it. He didn't stop them. He allowed it. But eventually, He had to put an end to it in the new. The one that would put an end to all offering would be His Son. Because if an offering is needed to convince you that you are perfected through the blood of My Son, then I will bring the best possible offering ever in existence, and that is the life of my son. Because nothing else will convince you. Because the blood of goats and um, heifers and all these things could not convince you. What will convince you? That's what the blood was poured for, to convince us 
Not God. The God didn't want sacrifices. Didn't want that. It was for our, um, for us to be convinced. Okay. Do you believe now that God didn't want it? Right. Previously saying, verse 8, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, and offering for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them. No pleasure in them. Which, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. He did a perfect work. So the gospel of the kingdom if you don't believe the gospel, you can't enter the rest. If you don't believe the gospel, you can't enter the promises. You can't, um, you, if you don't believe the gospel, then you can't enter the wonderful experience of the perfect work that he has done on the cross. If you don't believe the gospel, you need to believe it. This gospel of the kingdom was so important that Jesus actually said, in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom, very specific, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So important. Right. God is in control. Listen to this. Hebrews 4, verse 6 says, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Listen to God. You know, uh, if you read John chapter 3, verse 14, he says, as Moses raised the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of God was raised. You know, when they were dying, those people, when they were bit by poisonous uh, serpents, that's what happened to Adam, spiritually. He was bit by a serpent. And the people of God, they put a, 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 a... a bronze snake on top of a pole, symbolizing the cross. And that snake symbolized Jesus because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So God didn't put our sin on him. He made him the fullness of our sin. And all the wrath of God came down on him. Everything. He paid it all. He paid the full price from the beginning to end, every sin included in everything. So there he showed them the gospel and said, here's the cross, the message of the cross. Here's the message. Receive this message, take this message. And they refused to believe it. And they were not obedient, so they didn't enter into the promises of God. They all died in the wilderness. Symbolic of people not accepting Christ and experiencing that and in verse 10, Hebrews 4 verse 10, he says, For he who has entered his rest has, also, has himself also ceased from his works, as God did for me. So he says that if you enter my rest, then there's no, more, there's no work for you to, done, to be done. No work, nothing. You, you, should, you should rest just as God rested from his works on the seventh day. No more work, nothing. No work, nothing, no effort. It's just accepting what he has done. That's what it's about. Okay, so Paul's gospel was 
the same, but he used different words. So in Galatians 1 verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Grace of Christ. Grace. Let's put grace here. To a different gospel. So the gospel of Paul was a gospel of grace because he's talking about grace. You're turning away from grace, which is a gospel. You're going to a different gospel. He says different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So the gospel is perverted by wrong understanding and perceptions. So grace, you know what grace is? Grace is actually, and this is what the Holy Spirit told me, it is God's ability at work. That's what grace is. It means God is, it's God's work, it's His ability. It's not your own, not your effort. It's what He has done. Okay? And that is absolute perfection. The, Paul calls the gospel of grace the gospel of Christ. How do we know that? He says, you and you want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So you turn away from this gospel, you want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Okay. Now, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of God says, For the message of the cross... The message of the cross... Listen to this. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So the message of the cross is the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God. The message, the good news, the message of the cross is the power of God. Then he says, in Romans 1 verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God. So the message of the cross is the power of God. And the gospel of Christ is the power of God. Can you see that the message of the cross is the gospel of Christ? Because it's both the power of God. So the message of the cross is the gospel of Christ. Why is that important? Because the next verse, Romans 1 verse 16, you go there, go to verse 17. He says in verse 17, he says, for in it, in what? What was written in verse 16? Verse 16 was uh, the gospel of Christ. In the gospel of Christ, for in it, the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. Okay, now, these two are the same. So, in these two, the righteousness is revealed. So the righteousness of God is revealed through the message of the cross, which is the gospel of Christ. The righteousness of God. So what did the cross do? Now, if we read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the message of the cross is the message when Christ became sin, where was that? On the cross. He became sin to reveal the righteousness. Whose righteousness did he reveal? 
God made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So who was revealed? We as the righteousness of God. Why did Jesus die? To reveal us as the righteousness of God. Why? Because people believed a lie. They believed we're not good enough. They believed we will never make it. They believed that um, we need to offer every year, make a sacrifice, you know, a, a goat and a bull and a heifer or whatever. I must sacrifice something and it could not take away the sins. So that's why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come to reveal how righteous we are in Christ. The good news is not about going to heaven or going to hell. The good news is about the revelation of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do I know that? Well, that scripture says in verse 17, have you got it there? For therein, wherein, in the gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, just shall live by faith. This just shall not live by works, they will live by faith. But how will they believe or have faith if they don't hear? So the gospel that we preach should be the gospel of us being the righteousness of God, otherwise they can't believe it. I marvel that you are turning away from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Oh man, the cross revealed us as the righteousness of God. Romans 1.17 For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is clear. God made him to be sin for us. Okay? God made him to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if you can take the righteousness of God, it's a Greek word, dikaiosune. Dikaiosune. You know that the exact same word is used to uh, translate justified or justification? So your justification is your righteousness. When you are righteous, you are justified. When you are justified, it means there's no guilt. You are just. You are righteous. There's nothing wrong with you. So Christ's cross happened to show us how perfect we are in Him. But when were we in Him? Before the foundation of the world. So people believe the lie. You know where the problem was? You know, when, uh, when God created Adam, He first created him a spirit. Let us make man our image and likeness. God's image is spirit. Okay, then God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. In the body. And man became a living soul. The part that sinned was not his spirit. Because whatever is born of God cannot sin. 1 John 3 verse 9. Whatever is born of God cannot sin. His spirit could not sin. That's why uh, Ecclesiastes 12 7 says. When a man dies. His spirit returns to God who gave it. And his body returns to the dust from where it was taken. It was never about your spirit that needs to be changed. It was about your mind. That's why Colossians 1.21 says um, that they were alienated and became enemies in their minds. 
The problem has always been in our minds. When Jesus comes, he doesn't, didn't say that you must change your spirit. He said, repent, change your mind. Why? Because it's in the mind. We believed a lie. All along. We didn't know that. That's why being born again is receiving a new consciousness. Can you remember when you were born again? When you were born again, you suddenly had a new consciousness. You, were, you had an awareness of Christ. You suddenly were aware of the presence of God. You know, there are a lot of things in, the, in, in our religious um, background that was taught in a way that actually perverted the gospel. Because to be born from above is what we call born again. But the word born again is mistranslated in most passages because it should actually say being born from above. Okay, let me read you something interesting. Do you know that all of you were raised with Christ? You were raised with Christ and you are co-seated with Him without exemption. Everybody, every single person Every single person. I want to read to you John 3, verse 13. Now, um, let's just, uh, can you please go to Ephesians chapter 2? Let's read from verse 4, if you can, please. Ephesians chapter 2, let's read from verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in his mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, yes, next verse, even when we were dead in sins, okay, let me ask you this, who was dead in sins? Everybody, okay? Even when, so it's, it's while, while we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. So who did he raise up with him? Everybody that ever sinned was raised up with him. And then he said, and I've raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there was nothing wrong. The, the sin that Adam committed could not touch his spirit. Because his spirit was born of God. 1 John 3, 9. Couldn't touch him. But in his thinking, he believed that he died. Here, to be carnally minded is death. Romans 8 verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. So what did they receive in the Garden of Eden? They received the carnal mind. A false perception of God, first of all. And secondly, a false perception of themselves. Now we became sinners. According to our mindset. Let me tell you something. In, when Jesus uh, uh, using parables is to proclaim the gospel. Certain things that was problematic to the Pharisees and some of the people, they didn't understand. He, he, used, he used the parables. In the parable of uh, the prodigal, let me ask you this. Obviously he was lost. Remember? And he was doing stuff like um, partying and you know doing all different things even spending time with um, bad women and all of that it's written there in the, in the Bible okay 
At what point in that story was that son, the prodigal, at what point was he not the son? He was always a son. But he got a wrong mindset. And he decided to go into the world. But didn't, that didn't change the fact that he was a son. It couldn't change the fact that he was a son. He just had to look to the father and see. Oh, there he is. Arms wide open. Running towards the son. Because in the father's heart, it was never a problem. It was in Adam's mind. Never a problem. Oh, the love of God. You know, if God is so much love, and we love our children, and through one mistake of eating a fruit on a tree, Condemn them, condemn them doesn't make sense if you love your child they do something you're not allowed to take of that fruit now child can't leave it take it okay you'll be condemned to hell forever never can you see the wrong perceptions we had about God and about our own lives and what's happened that's why Jesus came to convince us of God, not the other way around. Not to convince God. Ooh. Righteousness is so important. Listen, Hebrews 5.13 says, For everyone who partakes only of milk. Paul comes and he says, You know, I wanted to give you Solid food. But uh, you were not ready for solid food, so I had to give you milk. Then he says there, uh, um, he says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. What is he unskilled of? The word of righteousness. Didn't Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God, which is the message, and his righteousness, Matthew 6.33, and all these things shall be added unto you? Wasn't it about the kingdom and righteousness? Why righteousness? Why is righteousness right up there with the message of the kingdom? Because righteousness is so important. Without righteousness, Christ came to reveal our righteousness. If I don't understand the righteousness of God, then I can't eat solid food. I'm still a baby. So I'll just continue with the, all the mediocre things and the normal things. But the moment I understand the righteousness of God, I can eat solid food. And God says, okay, now that you understand that you are righteous and you are perfect, now I can give you something more. I can show you deeper things in Christ. But before that, before you know about righteousness, I cannot tell you the deep things of God. It will shock you. Because the, the depths of the love of God is so immense that it will shock you when you realize how forgiving he is. When you realize how love, how much love he is. He loves you. Let's go with, uh, to Hebrews chapter 9. 
verse 12. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Listen. He says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all. For who? For those who are believers? No? For all. Okay, you know what all is. It's all. Okay? Most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Okay, how long is that redemption? Until the next time you sin? Eternal. Eternal. Eternal redemption. Alright? Let's read chapter 10 verse 12. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies become his footstool. Now, the last enemy is death. Verse 15, 28, uh, 25 to 28 says the last enemy that must be destroyed is death. Jesus is waiting at the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are made his footstool. And the last enemy that must be destroyed is death. But Romans 8 verse 6 says to be carnally minded is death. So if the last enemy is death and the carnal mind is death, then the last enemy is the carnal mind. The last enemy is not Satan. The last enemy is the carnal mind. It's those that still believe the things that they thought were the truth. Hebrews 10 verse 14. For by one offering, how many? One offering. He has perfected forever. For how long? And what did he do? He perfected. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You know, I heard another preacher the other day. He said, yeah, but you know, only those who are being sanctified. Okay? Only those who are being sanctified. That is in Hebrews 10 verse 14. By one offering, just perfect forever those who are being sanctified. But let's read verse 7 from the same chapter, then we get the context. Is that right? So chapter, chapter 10 verse 7 says, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book is written of me to do your will, O God. To do your will, O God. Previously saying, previously saying, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, offerings for sin you did not desire, nor a pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. So Jesus Christ did the will of God. Are you, are, you, are you with me? He did the will of God. By that will we have been sanctified. Okay, so who is sanctified? Everybody. Through what? Through Jesus' will. Through His will we are sanctified. So who are sanctified? Everybody. Through His will. But what does he say in verse 14 again? He says there, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are being sanctified. So who sanctified? Everybody. So who did he cleanse and perfect? Everybody. But everybody doesn't know it. Because people don't believe the gospel. And the, the gospel is powerless because we uh, have, have gone astray. We are preaching a gospel that is um, different to the gospel that Christ came to pre- present to us. Because God says, I am in control, I rule, and I reign. Let me ask you this. What does sin mean? 
Mr. Mark, okay? So it's your purpose that needs to be fulfilled. Because if you miss the mark, then you didn't fulfill the purpose. Right? And that's what Adam did. So, that's called sin. Hamartaya. So if God sent His Son to save the world, that's what He did, remember? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So what did He do? He sent His Son. So if one person is lost, then God missed the mark with His Son and then God sinned. God cannot sin. The word is clear. But sin means to miss the mark. What is God's purpose? To save everyone. So if God doesn't save any single person on earth, then God is sinning because God missed the mark. What is our purpose? To bring the good news. The good news is you are perfected forever. The good news is you are sanctified, you are justified, you are glorified, you are perfected, you are excellent, you are holy, you are forgiven, you are free, you are reconciled, you are a new creation, you are a royal priesthood, you are blameless, you are above reproach in his sight, you are a chosen generation, you are kings, you are healed, you are highly favored, you are one with God, you are one with Christ. You are one spirit with Him. Okay? You are predestined. You are chosen. You are precious. You are living stones. You lack nothing. You are the apple of His eye. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the dwelling place of God. You can do all things in Christ. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. You are born from above. The kingdom of God is in you. You are the light of the world. You are His workmanship. You have the fullness of the Godhead in you. You are joint heirs with Christ. You are raised with Christ. You are seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Co-raised, co-seated, co-glorified. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. He is for you, not against you. In Him you are far above all principality and power and might. You are powerful beyond measure. You are the body of Christ. You are the spirit of Christ. You are the mind of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. You are the son of God. You believe that? That is all true. That is all scripture. Nothing that I quoted here now was not scripture. That's the good news. But what do we tell people? Instead of telling them how perfected they are, we tell them how lost they are. Instead of telling them how victorious Christ was on the cross and how he raised you up together with him and made you seated with him the right hand of the Father. Instead of telling them all of that, we tell them, oh, you're lost, you better repent. Man, repent just means change your mind. Think differently. Believe differently. God has a different plan for you. You know, uh, we are saved by faith. Through grace. Is that right? Yeah. So now what about those who do not believe? 
Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking. When we say this, okay, faith, belief. Why do somebody believe? They heard the message. Why do they have faith? Okay, let me say, say this. It's not of your own doing to have faith. Because Jesus is the author and the finisher of faith. He begins the faith and he ends the faith. It's not our responsibility. In any case, if I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, and it's Christ living in me, whose faith is it? You see, because we don't know the truth, we think it's our own effort. Okay, when you were born again, let me ask you this. When you were born again, were you born from your will? Everybody reads John chapter 1 verse 12, which says, To everyone who received him, he gave them the power to be called the children of God. But they don't, don't read verse 13, which says, Who was not born again from the will of man, or the will of the flesh, but born again by the will of God. He's the beginning and the finisher of your faith. It's God's work. Okay, uh, maybe you don't believe me. Okay, let's read uh, James chapter 1 verse 18. James chapter 1 verse 18. James 1. He says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Of his own will, he begat. Begat he us with the word of truth. How? By his will. What must you do? What must you do? Jesus says, believe. So how do I believe if it's God's work to start the belief in me? I just surrender to what God believes about me. So I say here, Lord, here I am, Lord. I surrender to your work in my life. Then suddenly things are changing. And the only reason why I started saying that is because he worked it in me. So if a person is born again of the will of God and not of the will of man, how can you send those who are not born again to hell? If you're born again, now I'm just talking about how the church is speaking. Okay? If you're born again by the will of God and not of the will of man, not of your own will. Then how can God send people to hell if they are not born again? Because then God elected someone and he said, you are going there and you are going there. And you are going there and you are going there. Do you think that's righteous? Do you think that's holy? Do you think that's love? Do you think that's the perfect... God that we serve? No. no. 
the gospel is tough for those who are religious. Let me give you an example of that. Okay? Let me give you an example of that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Okay. Those of you who want to go are welcome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God because it's a power. It's a power. But it's only a power when I truly believe that. Now, if there's one thing you should remember, it's this one tonight. If you want to throw everything else out the door, then it's your choice. It's just going to be a longer journey, just like the Israelites. Instead of going in to the promise, it's just going to take longer. God doesn't God doesn't want to kill you or condemn you because you made that choice. Okay? Because we're under grace now. Okay? By grace you have been saved. Through faith. Now listen, Romans 5.21. He says, Moreover the law entered that the offering might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Okay? Now, listen. So he says, There's a cross. I know it's not. There's a cross. But where sin abounded, sin abound. Oops. Where sin abound, grace abounds much more. It doesn't say more, it says much more. Where sin abound, Grace, where sin abounds, <laughs> grace abounds much more. Grace, might, uh, he says, uh, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, what happened here? Sin reigned. Now remember, the kingdom of God is about reign. Now the, the kingdom of sin reigned through wrong perceptions in a person's lives. Okay? So sin reigned um, in death, in a carnal mindset. Sin reigned. Right. You got it. Then he says, he says, uh, he says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness. So how do grace reign? Through righteousness. So the grace of God was given to every man. If you read 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, Verse 9, 10, 11, you will see that the grace of God was given to us before time began. You can go read it. But grace cannot reign without righteousness. So the grace came with a cross because at the cross the righteousness of God was revealed. And when the righteousness of God was revealed, suddenly we could understand what our righteousness, what our position is, and therefore, grace can start reigning in our lives. So grace reigns through righteousness. Now, when we talk about the grace of God, He gives it in any situation. Grace is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. In any circumstance, any condition, everything that you need, all of that, it's always grace that's given. That takes you out of that situation. But grace can only reign. Kingdom message. Kingdom is about reigning. 
Repent for the kingdom of is at hand. Change your mind for the kingdom is here. My rule and my reign is here. I can only reign if you understand the fullness of what I did on the cross. Because then when you understand the fullness of what I did on the cross, you are my righteousness. And when you are my righteousness and you understand that righteousness, then grace can reign in your life. Do you want grace to reign in your life? Do you need to understand righteousness? If you are unskilled in the word of righteousness, you must drink milk. Now, if this that we are preaching tonight is too big to swallow, then you must go back to milk. But this was actually milk. (laughs) This is the original milk that was given in the beginning. Which was perverted by understanding the wrong gospel. That's why God reconciled the whole world to himself. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, 18, 19, 20, 21. God reconciled the world to himself. The whole world. But everybody doesn't know it. Right. We need to surrender to God's faith. We need to surrender to what God believes about us. Especially now that you are a believer. I don't understand how believers can come to a point where they believe that they're not good enough. Listen, if you don't understand righteousness, then you have your own perception of yourself and not God's perception. Because you became God's righteousness, not your own. And God's righteousness is perfection. He has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Forever. He did a perfect work in you and me. Colossians 1.21 says, And you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. That's the only place that you were an enemy. In your mind. Yet now he has reconciled. Who did he reconcile? Those who were enemies. Okay, reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Indeed, if you, if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard. So people forget the word of God, they forget the gospel, and they start believing other stuff, instead of believing in the righteousness that God gave. Listen, let me tell you something. If you truly believe in the righteousness of God, it's not a license to sin, as some people say. Because if you truly believe the righteousness of God, you will live righteous. Because if you're using that argument of license to sin, you don't understand righteousness. You can't even have the milk. Because the very basic thing that was done on the cross isn't a reality to you. You think it is a license of sin. Not you, but some other people. Thank you, Jesus. Perfect work. Okay, now I just want to do this parable quickly and then we will be finished. In Matthew 13, let's go there quickly. Matthew chapter 13. 
You know that Jesus only spoke in parables? Uh, we read it earlier. And without parables, he did not speak. Uh, Jesus uh, told more than 30 parables. Okay? More than 30. Nine of those parables was about the kingdom of God. And three of them was about um, the sower and the seed. Three different parables. Now, um, if you look at Matthew 13, uh, let's read this parable quickly. The parable of the wheat and the tares. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, do you know that the field, it says there it's the world. The fall of the world, as we mentioned earlier, was the fall of the mind of man. Because that's the only thing that fell. The, we call it the fall of the world. When we got carnally minded. He says there, another parable puts forth the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. What is the field? It's the mind's, man's mind. Because Jeremiah 31.12 says, your soul is like a well-watered garden. The things that fell in your mind is seed that's sown. And the seeds that are sown, it's words, it's, those are words. And when that word is sown in your mind, you believe it. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word. Faith comes by hearing and don't you? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word. But it's not only Jesus that sowed words. In Luke 8 11, he says that the seed is the word of God. What were you born of? Seed. From the incorruptible seed, the word of God. 1 Peter 1.23. Okay? Where were you born? In your consciousness. Not in your spirit. It's your consciousness. A consciousness of this life. This new life. Your spirit was fine. One of the things that the church was proclaiming. Was that now. Your spirit is born again. But the spirit didn't sin. Because it was from God. Sorry guys, I'm breaking down some stuff. But it's the truth. Jesus didn't come and say, you know, change your spirit. He said, change your mind. Because that's the problem. Now in this field, where the seed was sown, let's read. He says, but while men slept, hmm, The word slept is the Greek word hypnos. And it's the same word that's used for hypnosis. When you are in this spiritual slumber in La La Land of religion, seeds are sown. A bad man have sown these seeds. Listen, let's read it. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, no. 
Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went to the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Who is that? Jesus. He's sowing his word. That's the truth. My word is truth. Uh, John 17, verse 17 says, My word is to sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. So he sowed the word. Okay? So the word was sown. And then he says there, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The world that fell, which is our minds. The world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Okay, so if I receive a word from God, I believe. Because faith comes by hearing, and it comes by the word. So that's the author and the finisher of my faith that planted the seed word in me, and I'm born again in my consciousness through the word of God. Okay, because I started believing. Does it make sense? Then he says, the field is the world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. Okay, now, the, the seeds of the devil are the sons of the wicked one. There's only one other place where Jesus spoke and talked about the sons of the devil. And when he spoke, he was speaking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, let me read it to you, uh, if I can find it, John chapter 8 verse 31, Jesus said to the, the Jews who, who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, uh, John 8 verse 43, why do you not understand my speech, because you are not able to listen to my word, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So Satan is the father of lies. The devil is the father of lies. But God is the father of truth. But Satan is the father of lies. So what is this parable talking about? He's talking about the beliefs in people's minds. People are believing a lie. They're believing a lie. And he's leaving the Pharisees to continue to believe that. Because he's talking to the Pharisees. Who are the sons of the devil? The religious people. Why? Because Satan is always the opposer of God. Always the opposer of truth. When Peter uh, was having that revelation when Jesus spoke to him in Matthew chapter 16, he says... Um, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the, uh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood don't reveal it to you, but my Father in heaven did. And then he said, I must go to be crucified. And, Jesus, and, and Peter said, no, 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 we will never allow that. But it was the will of God for him to be crucified. Then Jesus turned around and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because you are mindful 
of the things of man and not mindful of the things of God. The moment we do something that opposes the will of God, we are functioning as Satan. It's the only thing that opposes God. Sorry, but it's true. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Now in the end of the age, he gathers all the tears together. Now can you get this? Just get this. He's not gathering people together, and throwing them in the fire. In the field, he's gathering all the tears, or all the false belief systems and all the false things that people are believing. He's gathering them together and he, he's throwing that, those thoughts that opposes God in the fire. And what remain after all the tears were taken away? Only the harvest. And that's why God cannot sin. Because if you take all the lies away, Satan is the father of lies, there is no truth in him. If you take all the lies away, what remains? The truth. And what does the truth do? It will set you free. That's the grace of God. Through His righteousness. Because you are perfected. But it's only true to you if you believe the truth about it. And the truth is you are righteous because everybody was made righteous through the cross. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. You know, the gospel is the power of God. Can you see how the gospel is the power of God? It can set you free. If you believe all those things that I mentioned about the gospel, you will know the good news is that you are, you are free, you are healed, all those things are a reality. The only reason why people are sick and why people are going through things that doesn't seem to be right is because bad seed was sown in the field. Because as a man thinks in his soul, so is he. So is the man say, seal bereken so is I. Your soul is the garden that received all the seed. Now, if all the, all, all the lies are taken away, and I'm looking at the rest of the harvest, I can't see tears. Because I can only see truth now. So I can love you, and 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 I can love you. We didn't become children of God. The day we accepted Christ. There's no scripture for that. That's a religious thing. Like the prodigal son was the son. He's always been a son. But when he realized that he can go back to his father, he did. People were not born again only in the New Testament. Let me read you an Old Testament passage quickly and this is the last thing. I'm saying, Deuteronomy 30, 32. 
Let re let's read verse 18. He's talking to Israel. This is in the Old Testament, people. Before the cross, before any of that. Listen to what he's saying to them. He says, of the rock will be caught you. You are unmindful. And I've forgotten the God who fathered you. Old Testament. We forgot. We forgot who fathered us. Your spirit came from God. He's your father. The word says God is the father of all spirits. We are born from above. When? Okay, let me read one last thing. Just this one. Sorry, brother, but please play on. Just this one, one thing. Let's go to John quickly. I was there earlier, but I forgot to read it. John. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He says, you know, no one can see the kingdom of God. You can't see the rule and the reign of God. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born from above. And Nicodemus misunderstood it. And if you look in the Greek, then Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? So he misinterpreted the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, no, it's not about being born again. Being born of water and spirit. You were born from above and you were born from a woman. You were born from the water in a woman's belly. You were born from a woman. Listen, he says there, listen to this. Who of us was raised with Christ and are seated at the right hand of the Father? All of us. Are you sure? Okay, keep it in mind. Listen to verse 30. He says, no one has ascended to heaven. Did we ascend to heaven? Yes, we did. When we were raised with him. I just said, we were raised. He says, no one has ascended, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Now you're either Adam or the Son of Man. You're either Adam or Christ. You're either Adam or the Lord from heaven. The first man is of the earth. He's earthly. Formed from the dust of the ground. The second man is also the last man. He's the Lord from heaven. You are the body of Christ. You have the spirit of Christ. And you have the mind of Christ. At the right hand of the Father, there's only one person seated. Jesus Christ, the one body, the one spirit. But we are all in him. There's not me and you and you and you next to each other in the long road. No, it's one. One body. We're seated with him. Say, I'm perfected. Forever. Do you believe that? I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Okay, how did we get in Christ? Okay, last last verse. Last one. R really, really last one. How did we how did we get in Christ? Was it of your doing? How did you get in Christ? Let me ask you this. What did you do to get in Christ? Okay, let me give you a scripture. First Corinthians 1:30. But of him, capital letter H, speaking of God, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, that it is written, and it says, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. How are you in Christ? Of him. 
Man, God is in control. The kingdom of God is here. And we have a responsibility to proclaim the good news. You are righteous. You are holy. You are justified. You are perfected. You are forgiven. You are free. You are healed. All those things. Isn't that good news? And when people believe that good news, they are saved. Because it's good news. And that's the power of God. So Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your righteousness and your mercy, your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you for your awesome, wonderful love. I pray, Father, that every thought that is not from you, every thought that is not from you, every thought that is not truth about your goodness, about your love, about your mercy, about your grace, every thought that you will come and take it and burn it in a fire. Let your truth remain. So that you can be glorified in and through our lives. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.